0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right. We are going to gather back. Man, did I cut this off too early? Got a real buzz in the room today. Um, Well, I have the privilege this morning of introducing our guest teacher, Dave Johnson, who was the pastor of Church of the Open Door for 38 years. Uh, Man, people know you, Dave. Uh, Dave was my pastor for 23 years of my life, and uh, he's sort of retired now, but I don't know that you ever retire from being a pastor, and he's doing all sorts of fun projects now. So we have the privilege of hearing from Dave this morning. Can you welcome him?
1: Thanks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, thank you. Hi. <laughs> that was a uh, week. Anyway, um, <laughs> I honestly, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and I feel quite honored to be here as well. I have uh, very high regard for your pastor, Micah. Um, I love who he is. I love how he thinks. I love what he cares about. Uh, he cares about the right things. I think that matters so-so. when Micah asked me if I could preach on this weekend... So he could, by the way, go play. He's in Florida golfing. Now, just so you know, I'm I'm sure he's in church right now. He went to church someplace. I'm pretty sure he didn't. (laughs) Anyway, I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't. Anyway, he's he's on the 8th, somewhere. Okay. Well, when he asked me, I immediately said, yes, I will do it. And then I said, Micah, I've known you for a while. It's about time you finally asked me to come and speak at your church, because I'm kind of a big deal, just so you know, in case you didn't. It got a bigger laugh in the first service, and it wasn't funny either time. Anyways, Awaken Community Church uh, is your name as a church, as if you didn't know. Awaken Church. I love that name. Um, I think it's a great name and an even greater reminder because all of us need to be awakened from time to time and in, in, in a variety of ways, because in a variety of ways and from time to time, every one of us fall asleep. And not just physically, but spiritually, we fall asleep. And when we do, and we do, we need to be awakened, we need to be revived in some way. And when we are revived, when we are awakened, we begin to... Oh yeah, you begin to remember all of a sudden what you kind of forgot. And sometimes we forget who we are and whose we are and why we're here. And when you remember who you are and whose you are and why you're here, you're kind of back because why we're here is all about mission. And it's just this fascinating pattern, actually. From the beginning of the story to the end of the story, all through The scriptures—it's kind of a big deal because the people of God—they had this pattern. It was over and over again for a variety of reasons and in a variety of ways. The people of God would fall asleep—not just physically, but spiritually. They'd fall asleep, and when they did, they would forget who they were. Think about the Old Testament—the wanderings all over the place. They would—they would forget who they were and whose they were and why they were here. And over and over again, I think you know the story. When they would forget who they were and whose they were and why they were here... ...they would go into exile. And they went into exile a lot. And when they were in exile, at some point they would begin to wake up. And then when they woke up, they would begin to remember. And so over and over again, when they would go into exile... ...when they would forget who they were and why they were here... ...and whose they were, God would call out the prophets. And then God would call through the prophets and it was always the same to the people of God and i think the call is the same today you need to remember and then return first of all to your god indeed with all your hearts says the prophet joel in joel chapter 2 verse 12 return to me to the lord your god with all your hearts and every time they did return and they did return they'd be awakened they they would be Revived like someone sleeping, uh, now awake, like someone unconscious, uh, now alert, like splashing cold water in the face of someone who's groggy, they begin coming to, and when they do start coming to, they begin to remember, and then to return, not only to their God, but to their identity as the people of God, and also to their mission as the people of God. And every time that happened in the story, all through the scriptures it was really good news but not just for them though it was good news for the people of god when they would wake up and remember who they were and who they were and why they were here it was really good news as well for all the people around them particularly for the poor around them and the prisoner too for all who mourn and those who grieve says the prophet isaiah in isaiah 61 because when the people of god are revived when they're Awakened from their slumber, they then begin to see because they couldn't see when they were sleeping. They then begin to see what they couldn't see and who they couldn't see, and they couldn't see the other. When they were sleeping, they couldn't see anyone other than themselves. So they couldn't see the poor because they were sleeping, and they couldn't see the prisoner or the everyday people. Around them, but, but, but now, the, now they can, simply because in metaphor, but in reality, spiritually, they are awake. And so they can because they've been revived, they've been awakened. And every time that happened, it was really good news for the poor, for the oppressed, for the prisoner, for all who mourn and mourn and those who grieve, because now they're being seen, primarily because the people of God woke up, they were awakened. They've been revived, and it's fascinating, really, as I think about this concept of being awakened and being revived, because I grew up in a church, I don't know if you grew up in one like I did, but the church I grew up in talked a lot about revival. We were always uh, praying for revival, we were always waiting for revival, and wanting to, uh, a revival, and sometimes when we got tired of waiting for a revival, we just decided to have one. You ever be in a church like that? Um, so we'd put out a sign, actually, uh, and announce that we were having a revival. And You ever see those? Like a sign outside a church. Revival! Wednesday! 7 o'clock! We're going to be <laughs> revived. And when we would do those kinds of things, um, they were usually marked by and came with a lot of emotion and maybe some pressure to make something happen because we just... Made an announcement, seven o'clock, there's a revival, so you better produce. Well, that brings some pressure. So we'd wear people down, and and then with lots of songs, God doesn't move till like one in the morning. Anyway, um, and then we'd call them forward to repent of their sin and come back to God, all of which is good. Uh, And we'd have this expectation that if we did all of that, we'd experience God's favor, and He'd pour out a blessing on our church, uh, and everyone. In it, uh, and, and maybe more people would come, but it was mostly for us and our own revival. We called it revival, and that's all very good and sometimes very necessary, incredibly necessary at times to repent and re- return. But it never—at least the revivals I experienced as a kid—it never. The result was never turning any of us outward. Indeed, it turned some of us even more inward. Strangely. Being absorbed now, after this revival, being absorbed now even more with ourselves and our need to stay clean, having just been revived. So we got to stay away, actually, from the people who might make us dirty again. Which means that our revival's refreshing, and even as necessary as they might have been from time to time, (sighs) never became really good news for the neighborhood. Or good news for us. Uh, But they weren't good news for the poor, or certainly not for the oppressed or for anyone other than us, or for anyone different than us, in part because repentance for us was almost always and only about personal sin, about individual sin involving some personal indulgence that might need to be repented of, or some boundary marker behavior that identified you as a good Christian or a bad Christian, like not going to church or going to church or smoking or drinking or swearing or whatever, something. So a kind of repentance um, that would result in us turning our face outward toward the marginalized and the poor. It just wasn't on our radar screen. We were asleep to that kind of awakening. We were... unconscious um, we couldn't see that kind of awakening or revival indeed in the context I grew up in anyone who talks seriously about a gospel that would move us as a church as a people into the neighborhood to make that neighborhood safer and better and and, and stronger that would in the words of Isaiah 61 rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the ruined cities, people who talk like that in the context I grew up in were kind of suspect to us. They sounded liberal to us, (laughs) and not very spiritual to us. But then, like a splash of cold water in the face, when you're groggy, you might start coming to when you let yourself hear the voice of the prophets. And you need to let yourself hear the voice of the prophets who had a bigger picture, a more holistic picture of what spiritual actually meant, about what, what, what repentance and revival, revival actually looked like when it actually arrived, because to the prophets, there was no bifurcation, there was no separation between spiritual and, and social. They were together between the sacred and the secular. They were together, which is why the prophet Isaiah says what he says in Isaiah 58 when he says in effect and this is my paraphrase you guys love the solemn assembly and you attend every week you love to go to church and sing the songs and get all spiritual when you're there indeed and now I am quoting Isaiah you seek me day after day says God to his people and seem eager to know my ways which is good right you ask for just decisions and delight in the nearness of your God. You get a tear, even, in your eye. And, even, and you even love to fast. But when you fast, you still don't see. He says in verse 3, even when you, you've humbled yourself, you bow your head like a reed, even when you do that, you still don't notice because you're sleeping, because you're groggy. Indeed, on the day of your fast, end of verse 3, You do as you please. Uh, New American Standard says it this way, you you find your desire in the day of your fast. You find what you really want on the day of your fast, and as it turns out, um, what they really wanted was stuff for them. Their desire was for themselves, because it was all about them. Um, And our little church and everyone in it, you wanted God's favor, Uh, You expected a blessing. You called it revival because people came forward, but it never turned anyone outward. It was mostly for you. So here's the fast I choose for you, says God to his people through the prophets in verse 16. Again, my paraphrase, that you fast not from food this time, Try something else. You do that really well and kind of feel holy when you do, but let's try something else. Instead of fasting from food, fast now from your obsessive preoccupation with yourselves. And here's how we'll do it, step by step. First, put down your songbooks, blow out your candles. We don't need more incense, at least not today, and no more burnt offerings or the fat of fed cattle, he says in verse 11, because this time, Verse 17, I want you to go. I want you to leave the solemn assembly. Solemn assemblies are great, but this time, I want you to actually leave the church, if you will, the building, the solemn assembly, and as you go, do something not very spiritual. Learn to do good. Just learn learn to do good. Learn learn to seek justice. Reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. In, in other words, um, just pay attention to what's around you, and the way you pay attention, you can't pay attention if you're asleep, right? And when you are awake, you can begin to pay attention, and you don't have to look far. You just look at what's around you, and if you see something, now that you're awake, and you're paying attention, and if you see something like an injustice, do something. Um, and I promise you, the more you do for widows and orphans, the more you actually do for them, um, the more you will actually see them. How many of you know that's true? Like, like, you actually, you can have this thing in your heart that says, yes, we should, and I really want to, and my heart is moved. But it's not until you actually got involved in an uh, in injustice or ruthlessness that was needing to be confronted. That until you got involved in it and those things were close to you, Uh, you saw more and more and more of those things. Indeed, you'll start to see what you couldn't see and who you couldn't see because you couldn't see the other or anyone other than yourself. So here's an idea, says God, again through the prophet in verse 7 now of Isaiah 58. Here's an idea. Uh, Bring the hungry poor into the house. Try that. Why? Here's why. Um, Because you bring them into the house. Uh, you'll see them. It'll be easier for you to see them if they're close. That's really true. That really is what he's saying. It's like, we should bring... no, no, no." No, this is a metaphor. This is bigger than that. It ought to ignite your imaginations in terms of the people you're being called to care about. Bring them close if you want to see them. Bring them closer. Bring them into your house, he says, and if you do, maybe bring hungry poor into the house. You'll surely see them. And all of that reminds me of this parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12, one I'm sure you're familiar with. It's about a man who kept building bigger barns. Remember that one? Uh, he was just storing all his stuff in his bigger barns. He got more and more stuff, and he needed to store it more and more, so he built bigger and bigger barns, saying thus to himself, self, ah, take your ease, eat and drink. And Jesus um, called him a fool, you fool. He says, today your soul will be required of you. You're an idiot uh, because you uh, did this kind of thing. But here's the deal about what he did. Because his sin was not that he had wealth. I think this is important. It's that he used his wealth as as a means to insulate himself and isolate himself from the poverty that was all around him and easy to see. But he built bigger barns and walls around the barns and protecting all his stuff. And before you know it, it wasn't even that he didn't care about the poor in his mind, and he couldn't even see them. That's what's going on in that parable. He did all that insulating and isolating by building bigger and bigger whatevers so they he didn't have to see the other, anyone other than himself. He could just hide behind what he built. He could just hide behind his well. So when the prophet Isaiah says, bring the hungry poor into the house, it means, among other things, um, uh, and, and you'd have to think about what are ways I do this. It means don't insulate yourself. Don't isolate yourself from the needs of all around you because you can insulate yourself. You, you can isolate yourself. It's easy, actually, to do. So do something intentional. And by the way, it's one of the things I love about your church and what you, what you, you kind of rooted it in. It's, it's part of your DNA. What are some intentional things that we can do to get closer to the need, to bring the need closer to us? Because if you get closer to it and you bring it closer to you, it's easier to see. And then if you see something, like someone being ruthless, do something, Uh, say something. Verse 1 of Isaiah 58 Raise your voice like a trumpet, cry loudly, and don't hold back. Because the more you say and the more you do, the more you will see what you couldn't see and who you couldn't see. And it's not because we're so sinful, at least like intentionally or actively sinful, the way we think of being sinful, it's most of the time because we fell asleep. We just got groggy, and when we fell asleep, we forgot who we are, and whose we are, and why we're here. So Awaken Sleeper says God through the prophets, and every time the people of God did awaken, they would remember who we are, whose we are, why we're here, and now we're back. And every time that happened, from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, it was really good news, particularly for the poor and the oppressed, for the marginalized, but for us as well, for the people of God as well, because now all the lights are on. Um, And they're shining bright. And when you have a a bright light, you can, there we go again with the metaphor, you can see. (laughs) Indeed, now says Isaiah in verse 8 of Isaiah 58... Your light as a people is shining once again. It's breaking out like the dawn. Verse 10, your light will rise in the darkness as if you're becoming the light of the world that Jesus says we are and your gloom will become like the midday and the Lord your God will continually guide you, even satisfy your desire in the scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters don't fail, and you will be called repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets in which you dwell. But for the people of God to experience that, for them to ever taste that, they'd have to be awakened. Um, They'd have to be revived, and every time we are, and we are, because we fall asleep we begin to remember who we are and whose we are and why we're here and now we're back (laughs) and so I love the name of your church I'd say the whole summary for that awaken awaken church Um, because when you are awake when you've been revived you're able to see the other someone other than yourself someone different than your self and you don't have to look far, right? You know that, right? You don't have to look far. Because once you start seeing, there's everywhere. So just pay attention to what and who you see indeed. And I know you do this. Ask God to help us see see even more Uh, things in people that we don't normally see, but that might surprise you because it might be someone really close right in front of you like someone in this room or on your run to McDonald's or while you're changing someone's diapers well not someone's your kids or going to a class or visiting the hospital or maybe you'd maybe be able to see your spouse again or your kids or your parents or your friends and so awaken church a love the name. It's who you are. It's why <laughs> you're here. And so I say, blessed are you. I love this thing you do. Micah told me about it. Um, that at the end of the word you enter into silence for a couple of minutes to just sit in the word and, and, and listen to what God may be stirring in you. So now Our soul in silence waits. Because in silence, the wondrous gift is given. In silence, the authentic word is heard. And so, God, we would be silent now. That we may receive the gift we need. That we may become the gift others need. Let's go to silence.
0: Receive these words as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. find us online at www.awakencommunity.com, or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Community or on Twitter at awaken Community. See you okay. next time.